Welcome to Fusion Fantasy Football. Hello everyone, it's Josh. Welcome back. Lots of news these last couple weeks. I've kind of wanted to get in and talk about it. Um, I had done a couple things where I was on with Toilet Titles guys doing some mock drafts and rankings and stuff like that. I hope you checked those out. You would have seen them on the website, fusionffb.com, which got a, a facelift if you didn't notice. So go ahead and check check it out. A um, little bit of a different look to it. Hopefully it can, helps you see all the, the different content that's coming out on the site better. Um, you don't have to scroll down so far and only see one thing at a time. So hopefully that helps. A few other things there help you keep track of things. You can subscribe, get uh, email notifications of of any new articles or postings, and uh, of course YouTube and podcasts. So go ahead and sign up with that. But the other thing I wanted to talk about is, uh, well, of course we had Henderson and Cam Akers get hurt, and now everyone was talking about Darrell Henderson, Daryl, Darrell, we don't know. I still contend that's why I I pointed out last year that's how I knew he wasn't going to be a star because we still don't even know how to say his name. Darrell, Daryl, we don't know. Um, So that's one thing we are going to hit on. Of course, Michael Thomas, there's been more though. Now there's Dak with a little bit of a lat or something strain. And there's been a more serious injury injury to Carson Wentz's foot. Um, I'm not going to touch on a lot of those details that I don't, I don't have particularly those last two are pretty recent and we don't have a lot of solid information. So I'm going to hold off on some of those things, but I, I really actually really want to talk about the Henderson and Akers situation, but I don't actually want to talk about Henderson and Akers. I mean, I am going to talk about him, but mostly I wanted to really talk about this whole situation because I think it's a really, really good teaching moment, a really good moment for us to dig in and examine something and figure something out that we will be able to apply to any and all future situations. What am I talking about? Well, a lot of people were... And to some extent myself, uh, I think I did it in a way that got my point across that I was not victory lapping Cam Akers getting hurt. Not at all. Quite the opposite. Um, But I do want to talk about the difference between process and results. And this is a really interesting case. And a really interesting case that calls for really clear and precise thinking and being able to separate categories and factors that are and are not connected and being able to do that is going to really help us to refine our processes because we're not going to be um, including things that that are actually junk that, that aren't really a part of the what caused something to happen and so we're going to be able to refine our process better if we're not including a bunch of junk that doesn't have any predictive power and isn't actually part of our process but we're just claiming uh the results and so that's that's the problem 
So process versus results. And I've talked about process versus results uh, before. Of course, I say if, you're, if your process has no results, then maybe your, your process is bad, right? Um, but you can't just say, well, if your process has good results, then your process must be right. That's not necessarily true either. Now, we all know, we all know victory lapping and injury to a player is wrong. I hope. Um, and we all feel that and think that for a, a lot of reasons, mostly the emotionally, we feel it just on a human level that it's not right because you were taking, we're celebrating someone's misfortune, someone's pain, someone, you know, their, their career is in jeopardy. You, you don't want to be celebrating that. That's not a good thing. That's not a good thing. And we typically focus on that part of it when we are criticizing uh, people victory lapping. But then they come back with reasons why their victory lap is legitimate. And I think for the most part, those reasons are actually wrong. But we are typically as a community so caught up with the human and emotional part of it that we shut them down and criticize them and cancel them or whatever else and we don't really dig into the reasoning and so i'm afraid that a lot of people who maybe see their reasoning and see the the legitimacy to some of their points are kind of left in a position of of trying to defend that or thinking that it's well there's some truth to that um and it can be it can ostracize a lot of people because you've got this very emotionally led kind of mob canceling someone, but maybe the other person's actually the clear thinking person who's being done an injustice. And I would say, for the most part, um, everyone's just wrong. Everyone's just wrong. No one's actually thinking clearly. Um, the the person who victory lapsed about Cam Akers by pointing. When the Cam Akers injury happens, the person who points out that they told you that Darrell Henderson was someone that you should have drafted immediately, um, they are not thinking clearly either. They are working on emotion too. They want to be recognized for a take that they view as being correct. And here's the thing. They viewed it to be correct before the injury happened. But that's also the reason why it's not more correct after the injury happens. And that's what we need to dig into so that we can look at future situations like this and and really refute and think clearly and also hopefully shape our own emotions and reactions to it and help guide others, at least point others to um, this clearer thinking and reasoning and it really like i said it's going to take a lot of precision and so i'm going to try to do my best job to walk through this about why it doesn't actually make sense logically to victory lap an injury um and i think we all kind of half in the back of our head know that we're just more focused typically on the emotional side but i think we a lot of a lot of us in the back of our heads just also something's itching in me for me it's like an itch when something 
I don't know, call it my radar or whatever, but when when there's a logical inconsistency or reasoning or something that just doesn't quite, there's something wrong with the process there. I get an itch in the back of my head and um, I don't always, I can't always immediately identify what it is that's wrong. I often have to think about it, come back to it, but I can usually say, wait, something's not right about that process you're thinking there. So I did try to think this through and this is what I came up with. So uh, a process and a result. Now, you hope that your process results in correct results, but a process needs to be repeatable. It needs to be logically self-consistent, um, and it needs to result in a higher rate of success than other results in order for a process to be deemed correct, okay? And the result has to actually be tied to the process. It can't just be some random factor which caused a result that was predicted by the process, but actually has no connection to anything identified as a reason by the process. That's completely disconnected and it does not prove a process to be correct. Now, if you understood what I just said, then you probably get what I'm saying now. You probably get my big picture point about why victory lapping injury makes no sense. But I'm going to keep going. All right. I'm going to play this out even more because a projected result um, is right or wrong based just on the result. We don't you have to get into how you had that take. I can just say, I think this player is going to be top 12. And if he's top 12, I'm a genius. I'm not telling you anything about how I arrived at that conclusion, that take. No, I'm just saying I had a take, a projection, and it was right. Acknowledge me. Okay. And so we really have to understand that when we are making claims like you should have drafted Darrell Henderson and at a value, and that is something on my last podcast I was saying. I would very much like to be recognized to um, not be given credit for, but just for people to hear that, recognize it, and have more confidence in my takes in the future because they're now more confident in my process. That is really what we're going for. As an analyst, I want credit for correct results, but only because I want them based on a correct process because the past is the past and a past correct take by me doesn't help you but a past correct take by me that was correct because it was based on a good process that can be used in the future for more future correct results can help you does that make sense so that's that's the whole point of what we're doing here and so that is why, as an analyst, I may have wanted to victory lap and say, see, see, my process was right. I was looking at it and I saw he's way undervalued, um, especially for the possible worker lead. Even if it's a 30% share, he's way undervalued, Henderson is. Um, and then I want to be recognized for that when now suddenly Henderson is going to be possibly a great benefit to your team and you were able to get them for cheap. However, 
right there, if you didn't notice, I, I basically equivocated. I moved the goalpost, I moved the goalposts, and I wanted credit for a result that was completely disconnected from my process. And that is the problem with victory lapping on a result due to an injury. Because guess what? Cam Akers was a running back, and running backs can all get hurt. Any one of them can have an Achilles tear tomorrow. Unfortunate as that is, there may be certain individuals that have slightly higher chances, maybe due to other injuries or past tears or whatever. Sure, for the most part, we don't know those factors. We don't know. There's genetic factors there we have no idea about, right? About how some players are just able to stay healthy and others just aren't. There's a little bit of a factors there. There's, you know, diet and just how they're living factors. We don't know the vast majority of those. So there's really no point in bringing it up. So actually saying that a player, Henderson is in a great position if Akers gets hurt is a valid observation. It is also, I would say, the lowest common denominator analysis there is. Yes, there is some value in pointing out situations and, and team situations where a particular backup or handcuff will benefit more than others if the player in front of them gets hurt. But we, for the most part, know those. And unless you're going to be able to identify, you know, no one is going to really give me credit for identifying Tony Pollard as being the backup for Zeke Elliott if Zeke gets hurt. There's not any credit there because that's it's just basic analysis. But if I was to somehow be able to tell you which of the Chargers running backs, Roundtree or Kelly or Jackson, are going to get the majority of the work and really help your team if Eckler gets hurt, that would be a pretty good call. Probably just luck. But hey, you know what? I'm willing to listen to your process and, and see if maybe you're on to something because there's a lot of value there with with no clear answer. And so if you can arrive at the correct answer ahead of time, good job. Well done. I will recognize that. I'll give credit to that. But in this case, we all knew Henderson was behind Acres. This is one of the shallowest running back rooms in the NFL after Malcolm Brown was allowed to leave. And I I think Joe Kelly is technically there. I don't even know. I meant to check on that. Uh, I haven't heard one mention about him. It's been over three years since he was drafted. So I suppose they might have let him go. But I think he would have had a fourth year, at least option. Um, anyway, very shallow running back room. We know this. We know this. So the point is, as I said um, in my tweet, I, I, I'm not going to say I told you so about Henderson because I never told you that Cam Akers was going to get hurt. I never told you that. That would be pretty pretty weird if I did. I mean, there may be a few players in situations where we say, I think this player has a really high chance of getting hurt and I'm avoiding them or I'm drafting the person behind them. 
I'm not sure we could have said that about Akers. And and I even in my last podcast pointed out how Akers got hurt twice and is probably more of an injury concern than Swift when I was comparing him to Swift. That doesn't mean that he was a high risk in general compared to everyone. And I'm not going to claim credit or tell you that I told Akers we were going to get hurt because I didn't tell you that. Um, so I can't say I told you so because so is Cam Akers gets hurt, which makes Henderson a value. No, my analysis was based just upon the workload and the depth and saying Henderson should be valued higher than he currently is. Just objectively, the players that he was being drafted around um, did not have nearly the clear path to work, did not have nearly the chance or history of receiving work in a committee. And... Um, Yes, lowest common nom- law. I can't say that today. Lowest common denominator analysis. I was able to look at the death chart versus other situations, such as I na- I named uh, you know the Chargers already, but let's look at the, you know the Texans. What happens if David Johnson gets hurt? Is it Ingram, Burkhead, Lindsey? We we don't know. It's up in the air. This one was clear. So. When we break it down, there's there's four possible outcomes, right? A take can have a, a correct process, but the result can still go wrong by other factors. It can have a, a wrong process, but still be end up being right result. It can have a correct process and, and the correct result. We hope for that one. But it also can just be plain wrong process and, and wrong result, okay? Those are the, the four options. But we can't just say a process is proven right because it has a result. It has to be tied to the process. So in this case, saying that Henderson was a value was, I believe, objectively correct. And I'm I'm saying it was an objectively correct process because it's already been proven out as a correct process in the past. And it's logically consistent. You can looking at, like I said, the other players, the other situations. It just was all kinds of things that one could say objectively that Henderson was being valued below where he should have been according to average draft position. That's it. Simple statement. And I would say that process was correct. The result of that process did not matter. The process was a result. It's a tried and true process. But the result is unfortunately typically dependent upon other factors, other things. I would have loved to see this year. Well, I would have loved Akers to just become amazing and and Henderson do nothing. But I think what we would have seen would have been a little bit more, a little little bit more of a committee than some people wanted. we, We won't know now. I won't get to see. That's unfortunate for me and my take. But Again, my process, my take based on the process was, I think, correct. The result didn't matter. And here's what I'm trying to say. Whether or not Henderson became a a, a viable fantasy player that really helped you or not, whether or not that happened, it would not have changed my process. So now... We've skipped to the result extra soon, extra early. 
we got the result. We got the answers before we were supposed to get them. We were supposed to get them in the season and at the end of the season. Instead, we're getting them before the season has even started due to an injury, due to an event that is completely disconnected from my process. And you say, well, he's running back. He, it's not random. They can all get hurt. No, they all have that chance. We talked about that. Okay. Now I had a conversation with someone and they, they brought up, okay, right. But we want to point out that we're credible. You, you want to say, look, my take about Henderson being a value, it was right. See? And we want to be able to claim that credit as an analyst so that you'll trust me in the future and my future process and future takes. And my issue was that, um, and well, they used an example of like a, a realtor, real estate agent saying, look, um, the home values are high. You should sell now. And then six months later, when they've all decreased, he can say, see, I told you, you should have sold six months ago. So they should get credit for that. Like, oh, I guess they know what they're talking about, right? Except here's the thing. We're talking about completely disconnected factors. The analogy that that's not the current analogy that would apply if if I said Henderson's going to get closer to 40 than 30 percent of the workload and it's going to be closer to a committee than a bell cow for acres. And if that happened six months later, I could say, see, I told you that's what was going to happen. Will you believe my process now? Here's how I arrived at that conclusion. Does that make sense? Good. I hope when I arrive at similar collection, uh, you know, similar uh, takes that you believe me in the future and you can profit from it. I hope so. I hope that's how it works. That's the idea behind this. But in the analogy, the real estate agent had reasons why they thought home values were going to go down. They didn't really tell you, but maybe they had them. Maybe these were let's say let's say the real estate was in San Francisco and they were largely waterfront properties well generally waterfront properties have a you know a risk factor to them whether it's the ocean or whether it's next to a river you know there's always a risk of a storm or a a flood or something like that a little bit more than other properties. Maybe other properties have other higher risk factors, right? If you live in the woods in California, you might burn down. Okay. So there's different risks for different situations. Um, But for the most part, like that, again, that's the lowest common denominator evaluation analysis. You would expect a real estate agent knows that waterfront properties always have this risk. The risk isn't especially high in or low in the next six months, unless they're also weathermen or something like that's just a baseline static. It doesn't matter. You're not going to get credit for that. So if they tell me values are going to go down, you should sell. And a month later, a tsunami takes out San Francisco, which would be a tragedy. Um, they can't now, like 30 minutes after a tsunami and all the devastation that it's correct it's created call you up and say see i told you you should have sold your your san francisco barrier area properties i told you they were values were going to go down now look at them think about it does that make sense
No, it makes absolutely no sense because they didn't tell you a tsunami was going to come. They didn't know that that's why property values were going to go down. There is no value in their process or their take because it is completely disconnected from what caused the results. You cannot get extra credit for saying Henderson was a value just because Acres got hurt. Likewise, you can't claim that my take that Henderson was a value at his ADP was really, really super wrong just because Henderson got hurt. What if that had happened? Would my process take that Henderson was a value at his ADP now be incorrect because Henderson got hurt? No, it, it's still the same amount of right or wrong. It doesn't change based on the results unless the results are tied to something in the process. Okay? That's what we need to focus on. And so claiming and reminding people that you had a take on Henderson shortly after Acres gets hurt helps absolutely no one because now no one can act on that information at a value, first of all. So the only possible good it can serve is to get you extra credit. But extra credit for what? For a process take that has absolutely nothing to do with the result. And that is why it is completely illogical and inconsistent to try to victory lap injury because you are trying to get extra credit for a process that did not include the reasons for the result. It doesn't make sense. So in the future, when you want to victory lap being right about something, you should make sure that what you said or projected or whatever is actually connected to the result and don't just go around claiming to be right based just on results. This is also why you should be wary of people who just go around claiming, uh, ha having takes about results with zero process because you have no way to evaluate whether or not uh, they arrived at that take in a, in a with a good process. You have no idea. You have no idea. And so I want people who have good results. And then I want to evaluate their process. Um, I don't want people who talk about process all the time, but the results stink. Because then I'm pretty sure your, your results, your processes are bad, actually. Or you're just really bad at applying them. Like maybe you have some really great ideas, but you're just not very good at actually following through with them yourself, you know, or finding situations in which to use them. I, I don't know, but I want results. And then I want to see if those results were based upon a process that I can repeat. We talked about this in the off season. I wanted to know, I wanted to evaluate my takes from 2020 to see if you know, if there was anything there that can be repeated. And I talked about how it's really, a lot of people get uh, tied up on trying to learn from their mistakes. And it's very, it's, it's, it's very good. It's humble. It's very good to admit, acknowledge your mistakes and learn from them. But I think there's oftentimes more value in identifying 
the things you got right and then making sure that they were right because of a good process. Because now, now you've you've landed on something that you can maybe repeat. And if you just identify something you did wrong, that's good. You're not going to do it again, but you still have to come up with a new process and a new take. And then you have to wait a whole nother cycle to see the results, to evaluate if it was actually connected to that process. So you're a whole season behind. So we need that. We need each of these stages. But in the short term, you can result, you can get better results much more quickly by identifying the processes that are working um, and then continuing to improve them and work on them and, and follow through and act on them. And so that's why, you know, hey, we talked about that after the season. All right, so there was a whole lot of talk about theory and processes, and I'm sure nobody's even listening anymore. That's fine. That's great. Um, I, I wanted to talk about it, so we're good. I wanted to think through it myself. I've been thinking through it. I've been, you know, talking to myself, driving on the road, things, fun things like that. Yeah. If you're a podcast, you know what I'm talking about. So um, what else is going on that we want to talk about? So Michael Thomas, let's apply this whole thing to Michael Thomas. Michael Thomas is really actually the same thing I was just saying a moment ago about how you can't say my take about Henderson was wrong if Henderson was the wrong one that got hurt. In the same way, you can't now come out and claim that, oh, see, I told you we should have been fading Michael Thomas. No, Michael Thomas was a value. Unless you had some insider information about his ankle, about his medical conditions, unless you're out there violating HIPAA, like, I don't know what you knew that the rest of us didn't, that you would have been able to say it is legitimately a good take to be fading him. Because it wasn't. I'm sorry, it wasn't. And it's worked out this time, but there's going to be many times that it doesn't. I'm laughing right now because I'm hearing, so Jalen Waddle, like, I guess, I don't know, had a bad fall or something. I think he's actually just fine. But there was an injury scare. And uh, Will Fuller is already a little dinged up or something. And these are players that have had injury histories in the past. Now, Fuller, a much longer one. Uh, not really a conclusive one. Like when we talked to Dr. Edwin Porras about, about Fuller and even Michael Thomas, right? These weren't necessarily situations that, that pointed to being actually injury prone that this was a consistent issue that was connected um in the same way we can't look at you know michael thomas and say well this is going to be a problem because we can't say he's going to be the next aj green and continually have these issues because this was the first time he had it and as far as we knew he'd had the off season to heal as far as we knew, he'd had a procedure. If he needed the procedure, he'd had it. We didn't know about the drama that he wanted to hold off and that he waited longer than he probably should have. And now he got the procedure and now is going to have to wait longer to be healthy than we had thought. We didn't know that. Um, when it comes to Fuller and Jalen Waddle, uh, Jalen Waddle's history with injury... It is not conclusive either. It's just recent. 
And there's a difference there that we should keep in our mind, that there's a difference between a recent injury history and a um, an injury injury history that we can predict future injury based upon. Those are two different things. There is, of course, as you are recovering from it, one injury, always a risk of injury, this heightened risk. But that doesn't mean you are always at risk of that injury. Uh, once you're back to fully healthy, that's kind of reset back to zero. And I think we forget that about of a lot, a lot of players in a lot of situations. We forget to reset in our head that probability once they're back healthy and proven to be healthy. Um, so I think it's funny that we hear people bragging about how what a great value Fuller and Waddle are based upon the injury fears, and they're getting, you know, they're smashing draft on them at a value. To me, that is a bad process. How many times have we seen players dinged up before season and Again, now their risk of more injury is higher. They have to recover, and not just in the offseason, now under the stress of camp and beginning of the season. And that does increase their injury history and we, injury chance. We've seen this in history with a lot of players who come into camp, and we, we really want to um, say, oh, it's no big deal. They'll be fine. We'll let them heal up. Because for the most part, it, it does, but it also doesn't always. Sometimes you end up with A.J. Green. So I'd be more concerned about Michael Thomas if uh, we really thought he might be back next month. He's not going to be back next month. The best thing they could do for him is to put him on pup, and we don't see him for seven and eight weeks at the earliest, right? That would be the best possible thing for him. I let him fully heal, come back, and then play and be ready to go for the playoffs. And so uh, that'll help teams, dynasty teams that have him. Um, for teams that are redraft teams who think they're going to draft him at a value and then stash him on IR, well, you really want that result because you don't want him active. You want to be able to put him on IR, right? And not just because he's out. You want him to be able to stay on there and not mess up your waivers, right? Come on, you know what I'm talking about. So we really want to avoid these players that are in the middle of an injury and trying to get healthy in order to play. I'm sorry, but we do. Those are the players I'm going to avoid. The situations like Michael Thomas, that's just that's just football, guys. It's just it just happens. It's going to keep happening. At this point in the season, I'd be more wary of the players who are not healthy right now. So that's my advice. So I did want to talk about some players and situations that um, I am pursuing. I've been behind in that a little bit. Got caught up a bit with the last podcast talking about some tight ends and stuff. So that was good. I've said many times I want to tell you guys what I'm doing because it's really it's well it's hard for me to tell you. Oh, see, I told you so. And my told you so is just something I did with my team, but I didn't actually tell you, and so you weren't able to benefit from it. And typically, the situations and, and players that I've, I'm thinking about the most are the ones that I am myself involved in. And so those are the ones that I'm going to be making 
real moves, real actions, real decisions that are going to impact me. And so there's real, you know, weight to those because I'm I'm in the boat with you. You know, if you decide to follow suit with me and hop in the boat with me, well, we're either both going down or we're both, you know, going to Valhalla. I don't know. But that's why I like to talk about players that I'm interested in. I hope it doesn't come off as just me talking about my fantasy teams, but in a sense, I am just talking about my fantasy teams. Um, so one thing I did want to talk about is a process a take that is coming true. And that was Aaron Rodgers and Devonta Adams being values. This was stupid. First of all, Devonta Adams is always and was always going to be a, I would say at least top three talent wide receiver, even if Rodgers was not his quarterback. All right. Secondly, um, unfortunately, I didn't give you the background on this to evaluate my process, but I actually if. If we go way back, I do have some, when we talked about Aaron Rodgers last year and we evaluated whether or not he would be um, holding out or anything like that. And last year I said, well, that's silly. There's nothing. There's nothing until after the 2021 season. There's an interesting possibility in his contract with money and everything for the Green Bay to get out of it after 2021. 21 so not for another two years that's what i said back there and that's where we are and that's why i was confidently maybe not there's decent amount of hope in there but i was still taking rogers when and where i could at a value um because i was pretty confident he'd be playing this season i thought there was a chance he'd even miss games miss camp make a point, but I never thought he was going to retire. I never thought he was going to sit on an entire season. And then did make sense. Did make sense. Um, if you think that I just got lucky, I would point to my track record on these cases and my process on these cases in evaluating what I think is just makes the most sense for the player. And comes from listening to a lot of, and reading a lot of sources, getting the full picture, including contract information, right? Remember going back to Melvin Gordon, I identified him as someone who was somebody you wanted to sell. Then he de- declared that he was going to hold out. And I didn't even know that. But once he declared that and I looked into it, I was like, oh boy, he's serious. And there's precedent here. He's going to miss up to possibly half the season. He came back couple weeks sooner than I thought he might but if you listened and faded him you ended up much better than the people who were listening the people saying no you know maybe one game but he's going to play and he missed like five four or five right so that's where I'm coming from and hopefully I'm proven right and Rodgers is back my best small team that got Rodgers in like the fifth round or sixth round or something like that and I have Adams and Tunyon at a value too. Uh, love it. Absolutely love it. I uh, was sweating a little bit there for a minute. I, I completely admit. But um, that's fine. I I still thought he would be playing even, like I said, if it missed a little bit of time. Um, what else we got? We got Deshaun Watson. And how am I treating him? 
I meant to talk about it at the beginning, but the singularity, all my projections, all that stuff, it's almost coming. It is coming together and it's almost formed. Um, I've got like 10 more teams after this, after this recording. I'm going to go back through a second or third time, some of them. And then that'll be the, that'll be version one. And I got to just, of course, do some things to actually get it into a, a form that's ready for dispersal. But once uh, that's done, I hope to have that out here beginning of the month. So there you go. Hope you can look forward to that and enjoy it. If you're not familiar, it's going to have projections. Um, it's going to have customizable scoring, which will then fit into my stat projections and actually spit out what their points would be with my projected stats and your custom scoring. That's really cool. It's going to have uh, the, the a quick cheat sheet of the top 200, of course. If you're using the Excel, you'll be able to fully sort and filter the rankings. Um, it's going to have my actual draft rankings, which aren't just based on points, but on upside and things like that. It's going to have... The, the Sneap team snapshot. So you're going to get a full picture of the team, which is really going to help you evaluate my projections of the players because you're going to be able to look at it and say, no, see, he has this player way too low. I think he's going to do better and that's going to hurt the other player. And you can make those evaluations in your own mind and tweak it. Um, you can't actually tweak it, but you can see at least where I'm coming from and decide whether or not you agree. Then there's a league level, which is interesting because it really helps us to identify teams as a whole that maybe are going to have really good offenses, I think. That's useful for, you know, just finding backup players, you know, later in a draft, you want a piece of that pie, right, for its possibility, its potential. And also um, something I'm working on is stacks, finding quarterback receiver stacks, uh, whether, whether it's a wide receiver or tight end. And uh, evaluating those and seeing, you know, the, the balance between the cost, the ADP cost and the actual points they'll provide. That's an interesting thing that might probably is going to turn into an article. And then I put out a poll the other day asking, you know, what do you guys want? Because I want to do more with this data uh, content from the projections. And I said, well, I can do the stacks thing and I can do a trade calculator or even... And I didn't even say this in the tweet. Maybe I should have. Maybe more people would have voted for it. But I want to do a, a team-based uh, trade analysis so you can put in your team and their team and you can actually do you know, who's part of the trade and then evaluate whether you end up with a net positive in your starting lineup or not. Um, so that's an interesting idea I want to do. But of course, everyone voted for draft assistant, um, which is not something I've done before. But I have an idea of how to do it. It'll be, it, I, I, I'm going to get you guys at least a minimum where you can type in the pick and it'll be data validated. So hopefully it can even autocorrect. It'll be easy to, to make sure you got the right name in there. And then it'll basically take them off the list and it'll show you the top players according to projections, according to your custom scoring um, that are remaining at each, each position. And so you can evaluate then which of those that you want 
Will it get more complicated than that? I don't know. I don't know. I have to build at least that. And I think the way that I know I'm going to build it is going to allow for maybe more complex things, maybe like suggested picks, maybe evaluating roster construction, uh, evaluating the drop to the next option, right? Um, that's something I've worked on in the past. It's not easy, but coming up with uh, using standard deviations or other things to, to, to figure out how far of a drop off from the next highest available player to, to the next one and the next one, right? So do you really want to take a wide receiver here if the next like four ones aren't much different in the projection? Or should you take the running back who the next guy is is like 20 points and the one after that is like 40 point drop? You know, maybe you should take the running back because there's a drop off, right? So that would be the more complex thing. I don't know if we'll get there with this version of it. But for the first version of Singularity, they won't have those. And then in the coming weeks, that'll be included along with updates to the Singularity. Look for it on FusionFFB.com and under uh, Tools. I'm trying to think, or under Resources, I should say, on the menu. It'll be Resources right now. I've got the Tools, Rookie Vision, Format Beater listed there. And then there'll be the singularity. If you click right on resources on the menu, it'll of course take you to the full, the full menu of of options, downloadables, including you can go back and look. And this is something I haven't talked about a lot, but um, somebody did mention on Twitter, and I thought it was interesting where they said that they they looked up someone's, they tried to look up someone's rankings from last year or something, and the posts were all like deleted. And they immediately unfollowed the person and they weren't going to take their advice. And that's that's probably that's probably good advice. Um, so I have my last two years of singularities. You can download the Excel sheets still. You can go through them. You can see how dumb I was to have Juju so high. You can see how smart I was to have Juju so low last year. Right? Um, yeah. It's all there for you to check out. Complete transparency where... I, where I'm able to or remember to, if there's something you see that you want to know, ask me uh, and you can check it out. I'm trying to think. I don't have the rankings that I did with Toilets Titles in past years. I don't think I have them linked. So maybe I should uh, make sure I get that link up there. I have my ranks and everything in the singularity though. So um, what else I want to talk about is... The Fusion Flex League, the first division is filled. We are drafting, having a good time. Uh, if you're still interested in that, be sure to let me know. I am going to see if there's enough interest, especially as we get into draft season and people really get the bug, you know, really get the fever. See if we can fill a second division. I would love to. But that's going to be it for today. I've got to get back to the spreadsheets. Uh, i got work to do, guys, to get this out to you. I mostly wanted to talk about that whole situation. I've wanted to talk about it for a week now and really clarify my thoughts. And hopefully that was useful for you in, in really bringing clarity and precision to how we think about these things and, and how they interact and, and how and why it doesn't make sense let alone let alone it's just not very nice typically to victory lap injuries because it also just doesn't make sense so 
Thanks, guys, for listening. If you made it this far, I will see you next time. Continue to check out the website. Sign up, and you'll get um, notified when the Singularity is is up because I'll make a post for it. So you'll get that notification, that email. And as always, I'll see you next time.